word is all true, and that we can uh, take a look at the words of our Savior, and as he was speaking to the uh, to the Pharisees, and, and uh, the fact that they just they just were not understanding that they had our hearts, and we just pray, Father, that that as we uh, study this idea of being Abraham's seed and what that really means, that we will we will appreciate the fact that uh, those of us that are in Christ, that you have promised that we are. We are, in essence, Abraham's seed. We are heirs of the promise, and we are so grateful for that. And we just pray that as we continue through this study, that we will come to know you better, that our goal will be to glorify you in all things, and that uh, as we live our life, that, that, that we may do so, so that the world will see that, that we are different from the world, and that uh, we have a hope that the world cannot offer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right, we're going to pick up in verse 31. We'll read through verse 47. If you would stand while we read the text, if you're able to. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you don't hear is because you do not belong to God. All right, you can be seated. Okay, so what I'd like to do to kind of narrate through that is... I want to see if as a group we can follow the line of reasoning that comes to the point where you don't belong to God. Okay, 
So there's this back and forth, this dialogue. Um, let's see if we can follow the line of reasoning. So if you feel like you know what is said next and, and how it progresses this discussion, then just shout it out. So I'll prompt you with this. Verse 32, Jesus says, um, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So what's the, what do the Jews say then? Well, free, we've never been slaves, right? What else? Yeah, we're, we're Abraham's children. We, we've never been slaves. Jesus then says what? How does he go to the next step in his argument? Good. Yeah. If you're a, if you sin, then you are a slave of sin, right? What else did he say, Micah? In verse 37, 38, the child does the deeds of the father. Uh, whether If you were the seed of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham, but you're doing the acts of your own father. Okay, good. Very good. You're trying to kill me, right? So clearly you're not Abraham's uh, descendants, right? Um, so then what did the Jews say to that? Go ahead, Micah. Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father, right? Okay. What does Jesus come back with? If he was, you do the Yeah, if if he was, you would do the things he did, right? Good. Um, and I noticed Mike said in his prayer, uh, he already gets the bonus points. I was going to say, what are the bonus points on uh, our spiritual heritage verse? For how you actually are one of Abraham's descendants. And if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's descendants and heirs. Or Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, how did they then respond to the claim that Abraham isn't really their father? Yeah, Bob? (laughs) Right. They, They changed their claim here, right? Um... Well, God's our father. Okay. So what's Jesus' reply to that? Yeah, if God were your father, then you'd love me because I came from God, right? And we're going to make some observations. I just wanted to step through this to see if we can follow the reasoning. So, So Jesus says, well, if you... If you were, if God were your father, um, then you would love me, right? But instead, uh, you are liars and murderers, which is something that the devil is, right? Okay. All right, so what did you notice as we read through that? Yeah, Bob? Not once did they deny that they were not killed. Right. Yeah, they they did the typical thing that liars do when you accuse them straight up. They would say, why would you think that? 
right? Isn't, isn't that what you say when you don't, when you want to be, like be coy and somebody po- directs, pointedly asks you a question? Why do you think that? You don't really answer, right? So yeah, good, good observation. They don't deny they're trying to kill him. Right? Okay. And so, I mean, if this is the so I, I, I can't really believe that it's yes. sarcasm or mean because I think they're truly, possibly trying to understand. Okay, let, let's think about that for a second. And I think what Nine is referring to is verse 31. And, and we mentioned this before, but this hall starts with to the Jews who had believed him. Jesus said. Okay? So, now verse 30 said, even as he spoke all these other things, many believed in him, and to those Jews who believed him, they're trying to kill him. So, um, are these current believers? Or are these ex-believers? What do you guys think, Leanne? Okay. Okay, so uh, Leanne's question is, what actually did they believe? Did they believe he was the Messiah? Um, yeah, Anne-Marie? So those are the people here. I feel like when you switch this to today and you're in audience. Okay, so perhaps um, verse 31, he says to the Jews who believed him, and then in verse 33, maybe somebody else is answering that only the people that want to kill him are answering to that. I, I don't know. Maybe possibility. Okay. Right. But then in verse thirty-one, it says, "To those who believed him, he starts talking, and those are the people that want to kill him." Right. Okay. The way it reads to me is there are all these people, many of them believe, and he says, I'll set you free, or the truth will set you free. And then those believers, or those ex believers, one or the other, say, Free. We've never been slaves of anyone. And then he goes on to say, Yeah, but you're trying to kill me. Okay? And so you so therefore you are a slave to sin because you're trying to kill me. So, uh, again, I, I don't want to make too much of that verse, but it's puzzling to me exactly um, exactly who is involved in this conversation. And maybe it is. Maybe it is a wider group, and only the people that are trying to kill him are answering his questions and, and taking issue with some of his claims. But, um, yeah, other thoughts? Boyd? Okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 
It's, it's interesting, yeah. They want his bread, and then they want to kill him. Mark? Okay, good, good. Okay. Um, so, those who had believed him, and maybe, maybe like us, maybe these people are like us, or maybe we're like them, and sometimes they're firmly in this camp, and then they go, more than I, th- I think about this, and the more I listen to what this guy is saying, I, I don't know if I believe this guy. Like, I was with him until he said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll be my children, and then I came over here. Because I can't, I can't do that, right? So maybe to some of those people who were listening and seeing and believing in him, there's at some point they got off the train and instead they don't like what they hear to the point where this guy's got to go. Other observations from this section. Yeah, Ted. Uh, so I, I kind of see the parallel. Good, good. So just as in the parable of the sower, some things, some people sprout up quickly, but don't have deep roots. And so as soon as some hard teaching comes, they fall away. Mike? We see a lot of pride in the Jews as well, because they, they believe, but then all of a sudden now they have selective memory, which we've never been enslaved to anyone, where their whole history is based on the fact that they were... They were rescued from slavery from out of Egypt. Right. And so they've got this pride, I think, that's getting in the way as well, that they don't want to believe or want to remember that they ever were subservient to anyone but themselves. Good, good. And they're celebrating a feast after of the wanderings in the wilderness after they were freed from slavery. Yeah. Julia? Good, good, yeah. First John, anyone who says he has no sin is a liar. The same author said that, right? So we never can we say, I have no sin. We can say, Jesus took away my sin. But we can't say that I have no sin. I've never sinned. And at any point in our life, we're probably still wrestling with temptation and in constant need of of forgiveness and, and patience, right? So, um, let's not forget that. Yeah. Roy? We're still stuck in the salvation as being a physical birth and not spiritual birth. Okay. Salvation is not physical. It is spiritual rebirth. Good. Beth? Right, yeah. Okay, so let me see if I can relate this. So there's a mental side 
of our relationship with Christ and there's a heart side and certainly they overlap. But mentally, we can believe that Jesus existed. We can mentally hear and even accept that he was sent from God. But then that has to affect our hearts, right? So even with us and with these people, they might mentally think Jesus is someone special. But until he becomes the king of their heart and they submit to him, they're going to be fickle in their thinking. Right, Sarah? Yeah. Right. The heart is deceitful above all else. It deceives our us. Like we can't. We sometimes don't know what's in our heart. So, um, if you couldn't hear Sarah, she's saying that the Pharisees remind us that we can deceive ourselves very easily, and we can think we're saying and doing the right things, and we're way off base. Reminds me of Jonah. Preaching and then going out and sitting down and watching the fireworks that never come, right? He was the one that needed salvation just as much, maybe more than the Ninevites. John. Right. This is about truth, um, which when Jesus says truly, that's our, our word for amen, right? So we say amen at the end of our prayers, the end of our statements. Jesus says amen at the beginning because it's that true, right? Mitch? Just wanted to discuss verse 41 a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, what does this claim? We're not illegitimate children. Connect that to the argument here. Yeah. Chill. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so, okay, there's a, there's a connection there. Uh, I wonder what people thought about Jesus and his birth if there were some questions about how that went down. Certainly, there would have been knowledge, uh, some people would have known that Mary was expecting before the wedding went down, right? So, um, thoughts on, on that, Bob? We grew up today, genealogy is something interesting to know. So, you know, curiosity. Mm-hmm. They had a total different look right. on genealogy. It was a major part of their entire life. 
They needed to trace back exactly who their forefathers were, and it's all physical. They, they don't get any of the uh, spiritual side of things. So they're thinking, Abraham, I was father. Abraham was from God, so God's our father. And so just that fact alone, we don't have to know anything else. We don't have to do anything else. But just the fact that we were born of Abraham's seed, we're fine. We're okay. Right. And so, yeah, so they put a lot more stock in who their ancestors were than we do, right? Um, and Jesus is challenging that by saying, oh, I don't think you can claim Abraham as your father because he would never do the things that you're doing. So you, he can't be your father. And they come back with, well, we're not illegitimate children, right? Okay. He says, you are doing the works your father did. So he's calling them out for a father. Okay. And so that really is confusing them. You're saying Abraham is not our father, but you're saying you're doing the works of our father, so who is that? Right. Yeah. Good. So um, he, he did, Jesus is saying that they have a father. Um, and I don't know when they're going to catch on or what point they did catch on to who he means by their father. Um, I think I saw a hand over here at some point. Anyone over here want to make a statement? This is your chance. Micah? We've talked a little bit about what, what it means to believe, whether it's through uh, acknowledging mentally that Jesus Christ or through obedience and doing the works of the father. But I'm challenged by... Uh, verse 42 uh, in response to this uh, this claim that they have a father of God if you were the fa- uh, God were your father you would love me uh, just tying in some of the heart issues and, and the fact that John says John says in first John he who loves is born of so it's not just a mental recognition. It's not. It's not even obedience in and of itself. Right. It is love. It's the manifestation of your knowledge isn't there. Right. You think you know God. You think you belong to God. You think God is your father, but you're not acting like one of His kids. Right. Yeah, Bob. Right. Yeah. And who is that? It's interesting to me, that's when I would have picked up the stones. Um, it takes them another couple statements, but uh, that was pretty harsh. Emery, do you have, oh, sorry. Bob, and then John. Right. It makes somebody pick up the rocks, and it makes some people look at the ground and say, "I'm guilty." Right. So Bob is saying this is this is sifting language. The stuff that Jesus is saying here is going to divide the true believers and those who want to do what God's will is from those who are in it for glory of themselves, glory for themselves. <coughs> 
Other thoughts? Yeah, John, that's right. Right, yeah. Right. Yes, so it's becoming confusing probably because they're losing the argument. And anytime you start losing an argument, you, you stumble backwards and you start grasping for any argument, even if it's not legitimate, right? Um, and that gets you in trouble. Okay, um, <clears throat> so we can come back to this text, but let's read the next and pull that in because really it's one big conversation anyway. So we're going to read the rest of chapter eight. If you would stand, if you're uh, comfortable to do that, um, picking up in verse 48. And again, I have some other questions that, that we can tie in. So the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this, they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets, yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you've seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. You can be seated. Okay, so, further proof, they're losing the argument. They go, oh, well, now we know you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed, right? Um, I think this is the equivalent of red-headed stepchild. No offense, it's just a phrase. No offense to anyone with red hair or a stepchild. But um, now they're saying, oh, so you, you are demon-possessed. You're not, you're a demon-possessed Samaritan. All right, so uh, they're really losing the argument now. <clears throat> what did you notice? Bob? Well, if he was a Samaritan, why is he in Jerusalem? Good point, yeah. Because they wouldn't be there. Okay, yeah. Samaritans would not be welcomed there for sure. 
Good. What else did you notice, Beth? Right. So the winnowing fork is is in Jesus's hand, and he's separating them, sifting them. Mitch and the day. Right, yeah. So they're backpedaling and he's stepping forward. Dave? Okay, okay, yeah, good. So um, Jesus here, uh, if we're if we're asking who's in the audience, certainly some of these people are are over here in the uh, camp of demon possessed now, right? And some still are going to believe, right? <clears throat> but uh, it is interesting. Dave pointed out that he, Jesus doesn't take this bait to disparage Samaritans. He does disparage demons. He says, ah, whoa, 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 I'm not demon possessed. But he doesn't deny whether he's a Samaritan or not, right? Um, because Jesus doesn't seem to have a problem with Samaritans uh, in and of themselves, right? Good, good observation, Carrie. This is a prime example of them thinking physically when he's trying to teach something spiritually. They said, you're not even 50 years old and you Abraham. Right. Right. So, so yeah, there's, there's this physical side of things and the spiritual side of things. So you brought up, uh, that he saw Abraham or Abraham saw him. Uh, Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. How do you think Abraham saw Jesus's day? And rejoiced in it. Tony? So either when the promise was made to him that Jesus observed that through him, or that he is still alive today, and Jesus saying, When I told him I was going to be going on, you're shortly in heaven. Okay, so Abraham was given the promise that through his seed all nations would be blessed, right? <clears throat> and Jesus Jesus was there when the promise was made to Abraham. Uh, to, and maybe, uh, I don't know if your version reads differently, but it sounds like Abraham saw 
Jesus's day, right? Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. So it sounds to me like Abraham saw Jesus's day. Yes. Okay, so Abraham is alive. God, God said out of the burning bush, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not I was their God when they were alive, but I am their God, right? Uh, implying that they are still living. Good. <clears throat> Bob? Oh, good. Moses and Elijah came came around in Jesus' day. Good. Steve? Yeah. Um, it's still this battle between physical and spiritual. <clears throat> the conversation of, you know, death and dying and, and still living. They're thinking physical. Okay. They're thinking physical. physical. Good. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Ryan? Uh, when they said that uh, we're Abraham's offspring, I think what they said is... Uh, Good, good, yeah. So they're saying we're Abraham's seed. And Jesus is saying, well, that has been fulfilled. That's fulfilled in me. Good. Bob, and then Nina. Okay. Right. So um, in Jesus' parables, there are people that seem to be able to see from death, from the afterlife into what's happening on earth. Right. So uh, maybe Abraham is seeing that in eternity. Nina. say that God was my father, I'd be a liar like one of you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm glad Jesus said that and not me. Right? Ryan, were you going to say something? Okay. Uh, John? And just, uh, throughout all this, I just appreciate the, the weight of the message that Jesus is giving to them. Because, you know, the Jews place a lot of importance on familial relations, right? Right. Really, in real sense, part of Abraham's family or God's family, right? 
But but even worse, you aren't what I am. And the only way to get there is through me. I understand. <laughs> right. <clears throat> right. Of the two of us, which one is acting more like Abraham and God? Right? Jesus says, well, I'm, I actually am doing the works of my father. And if you, if, if you don't believe me, then name my sin. Name it. If you can't, then why don't you believe the truth that's coming at you? Right? Robin and Mike. Right. Good. So the prophecies are there and <clears throat> they still are struggling to see them. Let me uh, let me jump in there before we get too far away from this question about how did Abraham see this? Um, I think uh, we've we've looked at this many times, but turn to Genesis 22 real quick. I think that's where. I, yeah. <clears throat> Genesis 22, Abraham's tested. God tells him to sacrifice Isaac. They go up <clears throat> to the place. Um, when they Verse 9, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there, arranged wood on it, had Isaac lay there. Then verse 10, he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And that's the mountain the Lord provided on. This is total speculation, but who, who called out to Abraham? Jesus that was... He was at that point. If nothing else, Abraham looked over and saw the lamb provided by God and he rejoiced. Can you imagine how much he rejoiced at seeing that and not having to slay his own son? I don't know if that's what Jesus has in mind here, but Jesus, John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God that God provided himself. And Abraham saw that in his day and he rejoiced. Right? So, if I'm going to brought that up, and I'll be honest with you, I do not understand it. <laughs> right. percent of what's going on in the chapter, I really don't understand But when he says that they're trying to kill him, I think, yeah, they kind of have to. Right? I okay. Mean, isn't that the point of this whole thing? Right. We need to find a sacrifice that is able to take away all of our sins 
Whether or not that's what they're doing, probably not. But at some level, yeah, they are seeking. Right, yeah. Yeah. Very good. So so they, they have to kill Jesus to fulfill God's plan. Um I you'd have to do a lot of talking Ryan to convince me that they knew that they were doing that. <laughs> but uh God knew and whether and God's working these and Jesus working these plans and Jesus is communicating in a way that is leading up to that. All right, I saw like 50 hands. Yes, sir. I just noticed that these people are obviously confused. Yeah. And you have Christ who is God in flesh, and he can do anything. In fact, he could bring forth Abraham, and Abraham could say, this is the guy. Um, and there's so many opportunities we think, well, why, doesn't, why don't they do miracles today? Um, but... Thing is, God doesn't want someone who believes out of necessity. He wants someone who believes out of faith and believes or is seeking Him. And I think the prophecies were given that they should be expecting the Savior, and they were not seeking. They were just in their own, and they were looking for the obvious. Um, and God is not going to give. Excellent, excellent. God's not going to make it impossible for you to not believe, right? If, if you can take that double negative there, He's not going to force this on you by, and He could have produced Abraham. Abraham, tell them. They wouldn't have believed that either, right? They probably. And instead, God is sifting them, and he's finding out whose heart is bent on doing God's will and whose heart is looking for glory for themselves. There are several comments. Anybody that has not commented today want to make a comment? Yeah, Lloyd, perfect. All right, so real quick, there was a reference in my Bible back to Matthew. And so Jesus is, in the portion we're studying, Jesus is actually... Restated in prophecy, he quoted, and I think this prophecy was put up in Isaiah 16, but it's in Matthew uh, 13, 14, when he's explaining why he speaks to parables. He says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see through their eyes. Right. This is what he's, I think he's explaining to the non-believers in the crowd that are suggested here. And he goes on to say, well, blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. So he's trying to trust them that this is Jesus in front of you, explaining to you, and they're not getting it because he's, this discussion about who their father is and such. And he's saying, God sent me, this is what I'm speaking to you. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, 
Blessed are those who do hear. So uh, I think we're about to um, hit the wall here. Let's not, let's let that hang for a minute. Blessed are you when you do believe and when you do hear, when your ears are open and your heart is not too dull to be pricked by the conviction of Jesus. Thank you so much for your comments today. This has been a great study for me. Uh, thank you very much. We'll pick up chapter nine, <clears throat> my favorite chapter in John so far. Uh, it is infuriating to me, but um, I, I, I love the the story. Should be, I don't know. It's it's just powerful. Um, so. Read chapter 9 as many times as you can before we come together again um, and be ready to discuss. Thank you so much.